Okay, I'm back. Just me today, solo pod. Today I'm going to do the first installment of a weekly ratchet, a news roundup of the most important things going on in Bitcoin right now, which by the way, there is so much. There is so much going on. It's staggering. But I don't expect people to, to follow it closely. That's why I decided to do this, to do a brief weekly recap. I don't know if I'll always be solo. Um, I'm putting a lot of time pressure on my co-hosts, both of which have full lives and jobs, and so do I. So it's tough to schedule things all the time. I want to have the ability to do these solo. It also forces me to stay on top of things. I'm committed to doing this weekly, so I'm going to hold myself accountable. I need to stay on top of the major things happening in Bitcoin, and I need to be well-informed enough to do a quick recap at the end of the week and just explain what's going on. It also is a new skill for me to develop. I mean, this is well outside my comfort zone, but that's good. That's a big part of the reason I'm doing this is to try new things, to take a new challenge. I mean, it's frankly, it's, you have to leave your ego at the door. It's a little embarrassing doing these things when I know nobody is listening. I'm talking to myself in a room and I, I know that not a lot of people will hear this and you got to start somewhere. So putting in the work, look, it's proof of work. Everything about Bitcoin is proof of work. It lays at the very heart of the Bitcoin protocol. It also lies at the very heart of one's understanding. Do a little work. Finally, I think it's, it would be an interesting digital permanent record of my life and Bitcoin for me to look back at, a, uh, a series of time capsules that I can look back at and see, oh, well, you know, what was happening then, back then? Where was I? What was I doing? What was I thinking about? What were the major things going on in Bitcoin then? And how right or how wrong did some of these things turn out to be? So here we go. Let's just get into it. A couple of very big things happening in Bitcoin right now. The number one thing I want to talk about is the ETFs. There's a number of Bitcoin spot ETF applications that have been filed by some of the biggest names in finance, BlackRock, Fidelity. To date, the SEC has been, I would say, outright hostile to the spot ETF applications. They have outright denied all of the applications to date. There was something of a watershed moment earlier in the year, I think in March, when BlackRock, the biggest asset manager in the world, with so much political reach, so deeply connected to this administration in particular, but just politically powerful all the time, and with their fingers on the pulse. You know, look, BlackRock knows what's happening. And they filed for a spot Bitcoin ETF, even BlackRock. So at the time, that's the price pumped. Bitcoin price pumped. It's very bullish. But there was no guarantee as to when that would be approved. And for all we know, they might still be denied. It, the ball is in the SEC's court. And Gary Gensler has proven himself to be a political animal. And he's doing the bidding of the Senator Warren wing of this current administration. And they're, they're, they're taking a delay, delay, delay tactic to the spot ETF applications. There's just no two ways around it. That's very clear. But a couple of big things have happened. So this is what I'm getting at. 
Today, October 13th, 2023, is the final day for the SEC to appeal the ruling in the Grayscale case. I'm not going to get into the details of it. I just want people to know there's a big day today that the SEC has the ability to appeal a case they lost. They lost horribly. The judge in that case ruled so strongly against the SEC for denying this company, Grayscale, for converting its product to an ETF. Essentially, it was an ETF issue that the company sued the SEC and won. And today is the last day the SEC has to file an appeal. They haven't done it yet. It's almost 5 p.m. Eastern, as I'm talking right now, although they have until midnight. It'll be very interesting. A lot of people who watch this very closely see this as a very, very important signal from the SEC that if they don't appeal, that's a tacit signal that the winds have changed. They get it. They see they're losing in court. They see the Black Rocks and the Fidelities and the big names have come in and that the jig is up, essentially. They're going to have to finally approve the Bitcoin ETFs. And we'll see. So also in ETF news, there's just something else interesting that signals a shift. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start sharing my screen. This is another skill I need to get better at. Okay. One of the best. Eric Balkunas, he's a reporter for Bloomberg. He follows ETF news for all industries very closely. And he reported that this is a separate ETF application. So one thing you just have to keep in mind, there are... I've lost track. I think there is somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 different companies filing for Bitcoin ETFs. And that's, that's not uncommon, by the way. For the big ETFs out there, things like gold or oil or long bonds, things like that, there's, new, there's a number of ETFs that are competing with one another in the marketplace. And they have different fee structure and they have different you know, distribution channels. And it's a, they're big industries, so there's room for multiple so this is one in particular, though, by ARC. This Kathy Wood and ARC you may have heard of. They were actually the first to file for a Bitcoin ETF. That's pretty important because the way it works, when you file with the SEC, it sets in motion a time frame that they have to adhere to. There are certain dates that they have to either, they have to basically give you a response by a certain date or delay and they're allowed a certain number of delays, and then there's a final decision due. Okay, the ARC one is is important because they were first, and that means their final decision day will be the first of all the ETFs, and it's actually the date is January 10th, coming up. So that's the one that people really have their eyes on. There is a number of others, including BlackRock, that don't have their final decision, but I think they have their their last checkpoint before final decision is a few days later, about a week after January 10th. Okay, the reason I brought this up is just this week, there's been something that is kind of new. There's a shift in the SEC's posture towards these applications where they used to just be delay, deny. That's it. You would, you would file your application. The SEC wouldn't, you wouldn't hear anything from the SEC the little checkpoints would come. They would delay, delay, delay. And then when the final deadline was due, deny. Straight deny. Now, there's a lot of commenting. There is back and forth. 
the SEC has wanted revisions. They have asked for clarifications. This little thread from Alec Balkunas knows way, way, way more than I ever will on these issues, but he just closes with this thread. Uh, one note, though, very possible there will be a few back and forths with the SEC on these small but important details. So I would not say approval imminent. This is, again, this is in October. But I would say the fact that issuers are in a back and forth with the SEC on this is a hugely positive, in my opinion. And he upped his percentage. Uh, he, he basically put out some odds of what he thought the likelihood is that the SEC would approve the ETFs to 90%. So the guy who probably knows more than anyone about these things thinks there's a 90% chance now that the SEC will approve. Now, look, why does all this matter? What's the point of me rambling on about these applications and the, and the ETFs? It's a very, very, very big deal. It may be the biggest watershed moment in Bitcoin adoption. And I know maybe a lot of, a lot of the you know, hardcore Bitcoiners don't want to hear that, and I understand. I mean, we would all much rather that people buy actual Bitcoin from any exchange and then immediately withdraw it to their own self-custody. That's what I think people should do, and that's what I do. But there is such a massive amount of capital in the world that either can't or is very unlikely to do that when they are just would so much rather go with their existing setup at a place like BlackRock or Fidelity or Vanguard and just buy an ETF, which is traded on, it's just, you know, security. It trades on the stock exchange, either, you know, NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. And they can just buy it and hold it like they do everything else. They don't have to learn about self-custody. They don't have to bother themselves with private keys. And they trust these platforms very crucially. That's the other part. It's not just that, it, that, the, that the ETF would be available, but if BlackRock gets one, I mean, again, BlackRock is the dominant player in asset management. Something like 12 or $13 trillion in assets under management. And they make a fee on an ETF. I think they're going to sell it, right? They have distribution. They have wealthy institutions, sovereign wealth, companies, just, again, 12 to 13 trillion in capital that needs to be invested in something. And I'm not saying they're all going to rush in to buy the Bitcoin ETF. They won't. I mean, that's unrealistic that, they're, that overnight there's going to be the floodgates are going to open and all this money is going to flow in to the Bitcoin ETF. And I don't think anyone wants it. I mean, that, that wouldn't be sustainable either. But it will open up an enormous new pool of capital that is not currently allocating to Bitcoin. And that's the important thing. And just, just for anyone who doesn't know, when they buy the, if you buy an ETF, the ETF itself has to go out and buy the Bitcoin. People use them all the time. I mean, the S&P, there's a, the one that people are, I think, most familiar with is Spider, SPY. It's just the one way you can buy the entire S&P 500 index. They're efficient. People are familiar with them. And this doesn't exist for Bitcoin yet. So long story short, these are the developments. I mean, I think 
I'm going to be referring back to the ETFs time and again. January is January 10th is the big date to keep your eye on. We're going to follow up on what happens today with Grayscale to see if that appeal is filed or not. If the appeal was filed, that would be bad news. I mean, frankly, I think that means that January approval is probably off off the table. It means that the SEC is in for a longer fight. So we'll see. We have about what is it now? Uh, like, okay, it's five. So we got seven more hours. <laughs> uh, okay. Another big thing in the news. Oh my God! All right, now we're moving on to the second, the second uh, big topic of the day. I'm going to change my screen. Is the SBF trial? Oh my God! I don't know how many people are following this closely. I think it's kind of fallen off the news a little bit. I thought it would have been maybe much bigger news, but Sam Bankman-Fried, founder of e of the of FTX, huge, huge scam, Ponzi, just, I mean, just an absolute fraud shit show that imploded last year, almost a year ago. It was November of last year. Market tanked. It was scary. There's no doubt about it. It was scary. A lot of people were calling for the end of crypto. I wasn't so worried about Bitcoin itself, but all the other cryptos really got hammered. I mean, even the price of Bitcoin got hammered. But now, now it's in trial. SBF is in trial right now. And, oh, my God, it's, it's incredible what the people are testifying to. So his top lieutenants, a number of them, have cut a deal with the government. Look, because that's what always happens, right? That's anyone who's seen the law and order or any kind of court, court trauma or whatever. This is what happens. This is how the government wins these cases, which they routinely win, is they grab any lower level person, they have them dead to rights on something, and now you have an option. You can go to jail for X, Y, and Z, or you can work with us about the person above you who's really the one we want. We don't really want you. We want the top guy, SBF. Well, I mean, it, where do we sign? They uh, People very quickly signed up for that. So a number of top people are testifying. Okay, the, the big news event, though, why I'm bringing this up for now, is one of the things that we're learning <laughs> is what a lot of Bitcoiners had feared, which is, okay, so here she is. This is, so at the time, SBF was dating Carolyn Ellison. She was in charge of the sister company to FDX called Alameda Research, which was their, his trading and hedge fund sort of business. And they were totally connected. They were just, they would use the customer deposits of FTX as their own piggy bank, which they would use to then go trade at Alameda. One of the things that Bitcoiners were suspected back then is that they were being hostile to Bitcoin, SBF was, for a couple, a couple major reasons is they can't control Bitcoin. They have no control. Nobody can. But what they could do is with all these shit coins that are very illiquid and that they can just manipulate the price of, including their very own token, FTT, which they created out of thin air and then used as leverage to get loans. And it was a total house of cards. 
built based on this value of this made up FTT token, which again, made up out of thin air, had nothing on behind it. And this is where SBF, his billions of net, net worth came from. He said he owned a ton of this FTT token, which on paper was worth billions, except it's so illiquid, you can't really sell it. And that's why they couldn't really sell it. What they did is they took loans against it by incredibly dumb lenders who would, who would loan against it. Anyway, now it came out in court that Carolyn Ellison testified that, yeah, they were selling. They were, they were selling Bitcoin. Anytime it would go above 20000 they would sell, depressing the price of Bitcoin. And in an effort to prop up the value because they would use the proceeds and to buy FTT and a few other coins to keep those prices up. The net net of this is it just really is revealing. This case is revealing what an incredibly bad actor Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX were. What an incredibly negative impact they had. A lot of people thought that the price of Bitcoin last cycle would have gone well above 100000 That was my thought, too. I frankly did. I just, you know, you based on the past, which is dumb, there were only a few other data points in the past. But based on that, yeah, I mean, it seemed like the price would have were it not for a lot of things that happened in the market, including the actions of FTX. It turned out they didn't even have the Bitcoin that customers thought they did. This is basically the whole risk of holding Bitcoin on an exchange. If you hold your Bitcoin on an exchange, you were just hoping that they have it. It's an IOU, and you hope that the day you want it back, that they have it and they'll give it back to you. Well, it turned out FTX didn't have it. They had sold it. Something in the neighborhood, you know, several billion dollars worth of Bitcoin that customers thought when they were putting money, they were taking their hard-earned money, transferring it into FTX. Actually, it was being transferred into Alameda. They didn't realize it. But from the user's point of view, they were taking their hard-earned money, giving it to FTX to buy Bitcoin. And when you would go into your FTX account and you would look at your balance, yeah, it would show you. It would sure show you that you had the Bitcoin. Uh, but you didn't. That's the point. And that's the, that's the lesson in this. It's a very, very hard lesson. The billions of dollars that should have been used to buy Bitcoin. So if you think about that money, it would have been bidding up the price of Bitcoin. But instead, it was used to keep the price down and prop up the other shit coins. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's what Bitcoiners feared. It's what a lot of people were calling out, the insanity of FTX. But now, in open court, we're getting the testimony and we're hearing about it. And it's disgusting. But thank God that that was all wiped out. I mean, the number of scammers, bad actors, overleveraged crap from the last cycle, it was painful. It was very painful. Last year was, you know, not going to lie. Prices way down. But it, it's cleared out these bad actors. And now what's coming in to replace them? Traditional finance. BlackRock, Fidelity, companies like that 
are the ones that are coming into the space after the crypto bros and the FTX naming rights of stadiums and the Tom Brady contracts and the Larry David Super Bowl commercials and all that hype was complete fraud garbage. And they're gone. And Sam Bankman fried very likely is going to go to jail, possibly for the rest of his life, for a very long time. He's defrauded so many people out of their life savings. And frankly, it was was a total net negative on the price of Bitcoin. And had he been allowed to continue, I guess that's the real scary part, he was also buying off politicians left and right. I mean, this is, again... Don't want to ever get political, but this is just well-known. He was the second biggest donor to President Biden, mainly mainly paid off Democrats all throughout every every rung of government. They also, they gave a lot of, or maybe not SBF, but other people in FTX made donations to Republicans, but it was heavily skewed to Democrats. And SBF was up on Capitol Hill. You may or may not remember that, but he was on Capitol Hill all the time blowing kisses. To, excuse me, blowing kisses to female members of Congress that regulate his industry. Very chummy. Had a number of meetings with Gary Gensler at the SEC, the chair of the SEC. And it could have been so much worse. I mean, he could have gotten very favorable regulation. They never would have known about the total Ponzi that it was. They could have gotten so much bigger. And the damage could have been so much worse. So as painful as it was last year, it was a good thing. It's a healthy thing. Nature is healing. Item three. This, this has just blew my mind. And this, this it's just, you get to a point where there's just nothing more you can say about the debt that the U.S. is accumulating. I saw this, this it happened this week. It was posted by Zero Hedge. I couldn't fathom what I was seeing. In the entire history of the United States of America, from George Washington inauguration up until 1975, 200 years almost to the day, called exactly 200 years of our entire country's history, 200 years, the accumulated debt of the United States was roughly $500 billion. Okay, it's a lot of money. The U.S. just borrowed $500 billion in the past two weeks. 200 years, two weeks. I I mean, at at this point, this debt spiral that we're on, How is there any way out of it? What is the way out of it? Well, Bitcoin, Bitcoiners know the only way out is that they're going to have to just keep printing more money to pump into the economy to pay off even the interest payments on this debt. That's it. That's the game. We're, we're in a period of contraction now. We're at a high rate restrictive period right now. That's going to change. They can keep it going. I, I don't know how much longer. They can keep it going a little bit longer. But the game, look, the chessboard is laid and 
you you can see these chess moves ahead. It's not it's you don't have to be a financial genius to know that eventually, even though inflation is still up, I mean it's still you know terrible, but there is a debt spiral going on, and the only possible thing the government can do is to continue to print money to pump into the economy. And the biggest beneficiary of that will be hard assets like Bitcoin. Okay. I think that's it for today. That's going to be just a quick 30. We got the ETFs, a little recap. Exciting news on the ETF front. I'm going to follow up on if, you know, if the appeal gets filed today or not. I, I, I would think it would be have been filed by 5 p.m. on a Friday. You have the SBF stuff. Look, that's going to be ongoing too. He hasn't taken the stand yet. We don't even know if he will. But just you know, that's just maybe a sideshow. It, it was all a fraud. I mean, that is clear. But the part that it finally is where we know of what a bad actor they were and how they suppressed the price of Bitcoin is just shocking. And then the final piece about the debt. Look, people, we're in a debt spiral. The government has, has really no choice but to print, and they will continue to do so. So just keep stacking Bitcoin. That's it. That's really what you can do. Okay. Well, let's see how, you know, look, uh, I hope this went well. I'm going to keep doing them. I'll get better. People, I will get better. Thanks for listening.